Hi, I'm Trinity Wheeler. And I'm Alan Shaw. And this is Rhapsody Radio. Happy holidays. Hey, everyone. We are back. The tree is up. I put it up early. He sure did. It's up. It's fully decorated. It's fully decorated. It is I, my favorite. He fluffed it. I fluffed the tree. Yeah. We, we went fake this week or this uh, this year. It's <laughs> great. It's what? It's a balsam. A balsam hill. Balsam hill. We always get a real tree because it's, it's, I love the smell of a real tree, but I wanted to put the tree up early because it's 2020 and, and at this point, everything goes. So, well, and anything really. But they also have those things where you can put the little pine saw scented things inside, inside the, tree. the tree to make it smell good. Oh, but anyways, I got a fake tree this year, tree. but I, I love it. It's up in, in, in it. It's very holiday season. It's very nice. It's very nice. And we're going all out this, this year. I'm, I, uh, Trini always likes to give me grief because I, um, the Christmas holiday is not like my favorite holiday out of all the holidays. Um, but I am committing to it this year and I'm going to spoil the shit out of you. We need a, we need, we need a good Christmas. (laughs) Um, Hey, we got some great news. So, you know, you can listen to the show on Apple podcasts. You can listen on Spotify, but brand new, you can listen to us now on iHeartRadio. And Amazon Music. Oh my so. gosh! Moving on up <laughs> to, to the east side. side. Ooh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> to a deluxe apartment in the sky. Okay, I could go up forever. Okay. Um. So Alan and I just finished this three-day leadership conference uh, with the Chamber of Commerce here in Charleston. Pretty awesome. The Leadership Exchange. And it was the inaugural event to where the Charleston Chamber, the Columbia Chamber, and the Greenville Chamber all came together for this virtual three-day conference that covered everything. Uh, yeah, basically everything. I mean, yeah. it, 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 you know, it started with Governor McMaster doing a state of the state. Uh, uh, Senator Tim Scott was on. So sort of different officials from the government and then local business leaders. It covered everything mm-hmm. from affordable housing to transit to business growth, diversity small business, and inclusion. diversity and inclusion was All a that. huge part of yeah. it. Um, Follow, looking at the pandemic and how that's affected the economy and how the jobs are coming back and like, oh, yeah. it was great. There were, there were some, there were some great takeaways. There were a lot of, have a lot of takeaways from it. But one of the things I will say is South Carolina is on a sharp curve to recovery. Yeah. Business is happening now and it's amazing to see businesses getting back on their feet we have seen downtown, the tourists are back. They're mm. coming back. They're yep. not fully back yet, but they're definitely returning. Yeah. So hopefully this is a really great sign. Um, and all indications are um, very positive. You know, and I like I like their approach too, because, you know, we are in a, we are in a red state and we are in, um, there's still, the chamber is obviously saying like, we need to get businesses back open. We need to get back up and running. But we also need to stay safe. We also need to be wearing masks. We also need to be keeping our distance. We also so those safety protocols are still in place to keep people safe. But what we can't do is shut down the economy. Absolutely, like it's just not gonna. That's. Uh, that's not going to set us up for success. And, and, and the, the whole point was, is that, that both things can coexist together. They're not individual things. We can be safe mm-hmm. and we can be open. Um, we know as small business owners, how important it is. Yeah. Um, and, and all of our friends in food and Bev and every other industry in between tourism, yeah. hospitality, um, needs it. And so it's really great. Um, 
well, a big a big thing a big topic that was covered on the exchange and what why I'm so excited about today's episode is um, was healthcare. Yeah. And and you you know at the gym we talk a lot about fitness and nutrition and and to me nutrition trumps everything and education about nutrition access to fresh fruits and vegetables because there are in many places, food deserts yes. here. Yeah. Um, and even in downtown Charleston. Even in downtown Charleston. Uh, and it's something that 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 the Greenheart Project, who we have Jesse Blom on today, who's the executive director, mm-hmm. and Carter Edwards uh, with the Greenheart Project, they have committed to going into these areas and schools and putting in urban gardens. The students get to work in those gardens and really learn about nutrition, yeah. learn about responsibility, Responsibility, learn about taking care of something, learning about be- business leadership, yeah. um, as well as uh, making something for themselves, as well as cooking the food. All of these massive, or all of these layers that come along with it, which is, I think, is so cool. Absolutely. So we're gonna yeah. be back with Jesse and Carter from the Green Heart Project. Yeah. Jesse and Carter, welcome to the show. Yeah, so happy you're here. Glad to be here. Yeah. So how we got involved with the Greenheart Project is that at the gym, we have a sweat and serve initiative to where you come on a Saturday, you do a workout, and then after that, you go do a community service project with a different organization. And Greenheart came up very early. Carter's a member. Yeah, when we when we first initiated it, uh, Carter was like, uh, "Hello, hey, the Green Heart Project would be a great organization for you to get in contact with," and and it ultimately just snowballed from there. And we've actually done, I think, two two uh, different sweat and serves with you guys so far, and it's been awesome. It's been awesome. So Jesse, you're the executive director, and you know the Green Heart Project being focused on urban farming and teaching people about nutrition in schools and, and the importance of, of, of fresh fruits and vegetables. How, how did you get started with the Green Heart Project? Well, um, I've been with the Green Heart Project for about two years, mm-hmm. a little over two years now. Um, you want me to talk about Green Heart or you want me to talk about myself? Let's talk about yourself first. <laughs> okay. so let's talk about Green Heart. All right, because they're, they're separate stories that intersect, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, I have been doing uh, this type of work, which is really the intersection between agriculture and education mm-hmm. um, for pretty much my whole career, about 10 or 12 years. So uh, I was telling y'all earlier, I'm native to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. So grew up in Milwaukee. Um, I spent my summers up in northern Wisconsin mm-hmm. doing canoeing. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's, there's an amazing canoe culture um, up there in Wisconsin. And so I spent my summers outdoors. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up working for this camp. Um, that I was canoeing at every summer. And so I would then spend my summers and falls leading young people on canoe trips and sometimes backpacking trips and sometimes Fair. kayaking trips. And so we'd, um, we'd use the outdoors as basically a classroom, yeah. a mm-hmm. teaching setting. We'd go out with you know, small groups of young people. And so I was, I was um, enamored with this idea of using nature as a teaching place and using the experiences in nature as mm-hmm. formative experiences for us as humans. And so um, at some point, I moved back to the city, mm-hmm. to Milwaukee, and I started, to, I, I started working with, um, there was a boat building program mm-hmm. where uh, there was a high school and they taught kids how to build boats. Cool. And so, and, and these were just ordinary city kids, yeah. you know, who weren't going to be out doing the sort of stuff that I was doing in northern Wisconsin. And I started to think about what are the best ways to connect young people with outdoor experiences who might not have the opportunity to go and on these like excursions that I used to go on. 
And then at some point, I ended up going to Costa Rica mm-hmm. with, yeah. a, with one of these um, educational programs I was involved with, with high school kids. I found a, a university there. And we took the kids to this university called Earth University. And the whole university is for sustainable agriculture. They take students from around the world. Um, kids are from Africa, from Asia, from Central America. They teach them the principles of sustainable agriculture. They teach them entrepreneurship. So they learn how to start a business based on food that they're growing, or maybe they're processing some of the food and selling it. And they teach them community development. So how do you organize a community and develop it around these principles of sustainability? And that that caught that uh, started a fire yeah. in me. And yeah. I was like, "This is this is money. This yeah. is great. Yeah. How do I do this? How do I find this?" I went back to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and I was just looking around for things like this. And I've discovered that there's a guy who had been doing this in Milwaukee, um, Will Allen. So Will Allen is at that time, probably still the most famous urban farmer in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a large, do you know Will? Mm -hmm. He's a larger than life personality, Mm -hmm. six foot seven, um, former professional basketball player, um, huge guy. He bought the last remaining agriculturally zoned piece of land in Milwaukee, um, these greenhouses, and he would train young people how to grow. Wow. And then he had this market where he was selling the food. And he trained thousands of people over the course of when he started mid-90s all the way up until he's semi-retired now. He's still training people. And so there's this whole sort of subculture in Milwaukee of urban farmers and how to use urban agriculture for community development, for education, for economic development. And so I ended up getting into that whole scene, Um, was working with schools, so... Will did a type of farming. I hope it's all right that I'm going on so long. No, it's great. <laughs> we love it. So, so uh, we, sort of the point of yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I mean, as you can tell, it's a, it's something I get excited about. So of course, awesome. so Will was doing this type of farming. Uh, he was doing many types of farming, but one thing he was doing is raising fish. Mm-hmm. So he would farm fish in these big troughs, uh, tilapia or yellow perch, and then he pumped the water from the fish tanks up into vegetable beds. Um, and then that water would return. That process is called aquaponics. So it's a combination of aquaculture, which is fish farming, with hydroponics, which is growing plants and water. And so this technique, he, he worked on this for a long time, and that kind of caught on. And so I ended up joining up with a farm, another farm in Milwaukee, that started around aquaponics. They converted an old factory building, huge old factory building, into an aquaponics farm. It was all indoors. Wow. Because in Wisconsin... Your growing season's only so short. Months. So yeah. if you do it indoors, it's cold up there. Yeah, it's so cold. <laughs> it's so cold. So I got really into this particular type of farming, aquaponics, and I dove all the way in, and I I did a lot of self education. I ended up going through a graduate program at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee on fish farming, and I um, all that all along I was working with schools. So we would. I would partner up with teachers and students to build these um, aquaponics farms inside mm-hmm. the school buildings. Wow. So as an extension of the science classroom, maybe there was a vacant classroom, we'd build these in- indoor aquaponics projects. The kids would build them and they would run them. And then they'd end up growing food, basil, lettuce, you know, things like that. And then they would sell them to people at the school. And so they were learning principles of business and entrepreneurship. And they were also enhancing their education. So there were biology teachers using this to teach those concepts. And so I had sort of found what I was looking for, mm-hmm. which was these hands-on nature-based experiences that were really, they're really accessible to anybody. You're right. Um, and so I, I sort of caught that wave and rode it. And then um, I ended up joining up. Then I went to Baltimore. Right. So I joined up with the uh, Johns Hopkins uh, Public Health School. 
So a public health school over there had uh, started an aquaponics teaching farm. And I was like, I, I, I know how to do that. Yeah, so, you're like, I've done that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I ended up going over there, had a great experience there for a couple of years. And then I learned that the Greenheart Project here in Charleston mm-hmm. was looking for a director. Wow. And so, and I had never been a nonprofit director, but I'm so interested and excited about the combination of agriculture and education. Mm-hmm. And Greenheart Project is really, once I started looking into it, really a first class organization in this country in terms of how you're pairing um, education with agriculture and building a building an organizational structure around it. the 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 level of community support that the Greenheart Project has is mm-hmm. it's really amazing um, the number of it is I mean the number of businesses that are involved in it right. the list is huge right right and so that's what really drew me in is right as I saw a whole community behind this organization most of the groups that I was working with were smaller you know didn't have that sort of broad base support yeah. so that's really what drew me to the Greenheart Project, and so I ended up here a couple of years ago. You know, a big thing mm-hmm. that I yeah. have been gravitated by, or gravitated to by the Greenheart Project, is that it just shows like an evolution of education, of taking like education to the next level. And I think like having that experience of having the agriculture with the ch- children, like we're from from New York City, where you know around the city there are there are gardens <clears throat> that are in all of the, all of these neighborhoods and those become central hubs of those communities and that also becomes down here the same thing right, right. it's connected to the school which is connected to the children which give them the opportunity to get uh to understand both about agriculture but then also about you know taking pride in something that they do about sustainable uh food habits especially with uh obesity the way that it is and people learning about like healthy eating i think there's just so many layers to it that i just found that i was so gravitated and and your excitement and your passion clearly shows because that's why people are so gravitated towards it right you know it's it's awesome it's awesome so with the greenheart project you you, it started basically in underserved schools, right? Like Title I schools here That's right. in the Charleston area. Yeah, specifically with the Mitchell Elementary School downtown. Right. Yeah. And, and Our neighbor. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. right right yeah. by the gym, not yeah. far at all. Yeah. And so you started with a garden there, mm-hmm. and the students worked in, in the garden with you to learn right. about it. Right. And then, so h- how did the expansion start from that initial farm? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I can't tell the story firsthand because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm only two years in. Greenheart Project's 11 years old. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I can share the story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was 2009 when uh, they built the garden in Mitchell Elementary School. And so this was um, a group of volunteers who lived in the neighborhood. Um, two specific individuals, Carolee Nielsen Fallert mm-hmm. and Chauncey Jordan. Mm-hmm. And so, and they both lived um, right there a couple blocks from the school. Um, uh, Kara Lee is a restaurateur, so she owns a whole number of different restaurants around town, Taco Boy, um, Park Cafe, Royal American, Wiki Wiki Sandbar, um, out at Folly, and so super into food, yeah. super into good food and the importance that food plays in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, Chauncey was a neighbor who was um, just very, invest, very invested in making the community better, right? Kara Lee and Chauncey are friends. Uh, Kara Lee notices that the kids who are walking by her house going to Mitchell are oftentimes eating unhealthy foods, yeah. right, that they grab from the corner store and engaging some of these kids in conversation. It's like, you know, that's a primary food source for them mm-hmm. are these packaged processed foods. And, you know, you don't have to dig very far to find that that's the case for so many kids in our country. 
Yeah. 100%. Right? And especially if you're coming from a poor household. Mm -hmm. Because um, I'm sure that y'all are familiar with the idea of food deserts. Sure. Right? Yeah. So, so if you live in a low-income area, you're less likely to have... Um, access to fresh fruits and vegetables because you're not going to have a full service grocery store nearby, that sort of thing. Right. So your food source is often what you can find closest to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So that's the background. Um, and Mitchell Elementary School, like you're dealing with the, you know, more than 90% poverty rate mm -hmm. among the students there. And so that's the daily experience for the students. And so, you know, Carol Lee wanted to have some sort of impact here and a very simple thing to do was to build a garden mm -hmm. at the school. She approached the school principal. School principal loved the idea. Um, the third grade teacher, Miss Black, was the one who really adopted it, and she took it on as a service learning project with her students. Cool. So like you were saying, Alan, in the students investing themselves in a project and seeing the fruits yeah. of their labor. No is, pun intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. huge part of the importance, right? Yeah. Being able to see the product of your of your work. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that was Miss Black's um, motivation. Cool. Kids loved it. And just um, uh, it happened just yesterday that I went to Publix to get a sub, sub sandwich. I love their sandwiches. <laughs> and the lady who was, who was making my sandwich, she said, what's the green heart? that you're wearing on your shirt. And I yeah. said, well, it's the group called the Greenheart Project. She said, I started the Greenheart Project when I was in third grade at Mitchell with Miss Black's <laughs> class. Wow. Yeah, her name's Caitlin. And um, we started talking about the experience that she had doing that and how it was such a memorable experience huh. for her. And, and she ended up building relationships with other teachers at the wow. school as a result. So anyway, the project really caught on mm -hmm. at the school. Yeah. Um, it was volunteer-based. Um, <clears throat> and so... They continue to get more volunteers. The principal really dug in and invested yeah. in the project. And that was key because when the leader of the school is invested, yeah. that thing can grow. So the garden grew. It, it started with a small garden out front of the school. He said, um, let's make it bigger because I want to reach every student at the school. Yeah. And so we went across the street into the park. Right. And uh, basically took over a corner of that park across yeah. the street and turned it into what we call our Mitchell Urban Farm. Yeah. And that's big enough. I love it. Yeah. yeah. That's big enough where we could produce enough food to get food into the school cafeteria. And it's wow. big enough where we could, and we had enough volunteers where we could start seeing every student at the school. So that particular project grew. We planted an orchard. You see a learning orchard there now. Mm -hmm. we, we were able to pick citrus. and um, So Mitchell, it was our start and our flagship. And it wasn't too long before we started asking, you know, how do we replicate this at other schools? And, you know, I forget what the first school was that we, um, that we, uh, you know, grew into after that. I think it may have been Sanders Clyde Elementary. So we started right. working with other schools downtown. Um, and uh, it's Sanders Clyde, Memminger, and then uh, Meeting Street Academy because Dirk, who was the principal at Mitchell, yeah. now he's the principal at Meeting Street Academy. He said, yeah. come over here. Yeah. So we were growing downtown there. And then at some point, there was a connection with uh, Sullivan's Island Elementary. Yep. Put a garden over there. Yeah. Um, Meeting Street schools started expanding. Right. They've got two schools up here in North Charleston. Yep. And so we, we started Doing working that. with the other ministries. Yeah. And, and it was just, it just sort of snowballed. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when I arrived in uh, a couple of years ago, 2018, we were with six schools. And um, now we're, they just keep adding up. So it's 13 now. That wow. is incredible. Since I got there. So doubled. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it, the, the, <laughs> that's the, cool. There's, there's so much interest there. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, our challenge is building our organizational structure so that it can support all of these different the projects growth. because ever like everybody's interested in it but you know being able to support is a whole nother 
sort of yeah, equation for sure you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah having having the actual hands and the, <laughs> and the eyes and everything yeah to, right. to make sure that yeah right. you keep hold of the reins right. for sure yeah, yeah. and yeah. and carter how did you get involved where, where did you so mine actually started with a salad at basic kitchen I, <laughs> it's terrible i know yeah. but so my introduction to greenheart i'm newer to the area um i was actually just visiting and i'm a a self-declared foodie. So I was just looking up where the ingredients came from and they said the produce featured on our salad today is from the Greenheart Project. So I Googled it. Wow. <laughs> and I was a senior at the time in college. So I right. was a double major in You're public up health. At Elon, yeah. yeah, in policy studies. So I was reading their mission and I was like, wait a second. I love this. Yeah, like, I yeah, want to yeah. know more about this. Um, I sent an email to our program director, Amanda Howell, and I was like, I would love to intern. I'd love to meet you for coffee. Like I was aggressive. I was like, let's meet, please. Like I love the idea of this. I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of this like farm to school, like experiential learning style. So I meet her for coffee. We hit it off. Um, and I interned there for a month. And then I went back to school and I graduated during the pandemic. And I didn't, all the job prospects I was sort of interviewing for, I either got rescinded or had fallen through and yeah. Greenheart scooped me back up. So mm -hmm. I uh, work with the Vista AmeriCorps service and I yeah. do the um, youth internship program. So cool. the Greenheart primarily worked with elementary schoolers transitioned into high school. So we just had our inaugural year internship with high schoolers. Cool. So, How'd yeah. it go? It went really well. So we yeah. uh, hired on eight high schoolers paid position. We're growing that capacity for next summer. So that's kind of, I work with uh, growing the high school component of it. That's cool. I love that it's like continuing on into yeah. high school mm. because now you're, 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 you're touching many generations, mm -hmm. And we which noticed awesome. such a need for it because we fostered yeah. this very robust elementary program and we have a garden buddy system. So we kind of are reaching college students with College of Charleston, different community members, but that high school kind of elevated language around your health, around, you know, financial literacy, that business model, sort of those skills, we wanted to sharpen them and we now have the capacity to do so. So it's, we're growing in so many different directions, but the urban farm, our newest project has allowed us to have the space to do that. Mm -hmm. And you're keeping it inside the community too, which I think is so valuable. I mean, when you bring pride to that and it just elevates the community to another, to another level, I love it. You know, what I love about what we do, we do fitness, right? So we teach people how to do burpees and move barbells and things like that to provide this buffer, right? Because we, we, we talk a lot about sort of the healthcare crisis in America, you know, fighting chronic disease. And, and I always equate it to, I feel like uh, with with health and fitness and nutrition, you know, we're, we're like fixing cavities and we're not brushing our teeth. <laughs> we're not being this preventative yeah. education beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so, well, yeah, actually flossing is uh, really important yes, too. Yeah. It is. Flossing is pretty flossing. Important. <laughs> yeah. That's what my dentist told me. He's like, you need to floss more. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but you know, we, we're, we're, we're teaching barbells and burpees, but that's just like the farming aspect of it. But what we're actually doing is creating community, creating education, creating leaders. And I think that's the same for you. It's sort of the, the, the side effects of the actual tasks that you're doing is probably so much greater. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your new urban farm, which is amazing and like two blocks from the gym. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's we walked there. yeah we did. Yeah. How, how did the new farm come about? 
and 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 when did that get started? Yeah, um, so it was really part of this desire that Carter was talking about to serve older students. Mm -hmm. So we were um, only in elementary schools. The kids would leave fifth grade and they no longer had a green heart experience. Right. And there are very few, if any, similar experiences in middle school and high school in the Charleston area. Yeah. Um, or at least in the central part of Charleston. Uh, there's some good agriculture programs sort of around the periphery. Um, so, you know, these, these students were leaving and didn't have similar experiences and we wanted a way to continue working with them. Mm -hmm. And so it dawned on us pretty quickly that we needed, um, well, the, the idea would be to have a larger farm project that we could hire the students on mm -hmm. to help us work it. Wow. Cause, and, and that aligns with what I've seen in my experience as well is once you leave that elementary school level, you get into middle school and high school, like you start that sense of wonder and like magic that you get from running around outside with your friends. It starts to wear off a little bit, Yeah, you know, and like, you, shit, I call it shit starts to get real. Yeah. Like you start to grow up and you're like, yeah. Oh, it's okay. Not like, there's much more stuff about yeah. life that I don't know about. It's not like as cool. Anymore. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. Like I know at yeah. my high school, like yeah. you got to go in the garden if, if you were in detention. Yes. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 My mom ran a program where they were planting flowers and stuff with the kids in detention. Yeah. But, um, I got to do that a couple of times. Uh, but, um, so, so really you know, what are, what are teenagers attracted to? Well, one thing is money. And so, yeah. so, you know, that's what I've seen in the past and really what they figured out at Greenheart too, is if we could hire the students and pay them, uh, yeah. they're more likely to come back and continue participating mm -hmm. with us. So that was the motivation. And, um, it was Carol Lee, who was our founder. Mm -hmm. She's still involved. She's still so involved. And then, uh, Drew, who was our founding director, he basically built Greenheart and he, you know, handed it to me on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Carol Lee and Drew approached the mayor it was tecklenburg right after he was elected mm -hmm. right and they said hey we want to do a farm um one thing that they noticed which is a trend around the country is so many gardens urban gardens get started and then they get taken over by development mm -hmm. so re whether it's residential or commercial they basically hold a property until it's ready to be developed right so they they noticed this and they said where you know can you help us identify a property that's not going to be developed it's hard to find here sure is <laughs> <laughs> Selling us. Yeah, yeah. And um, they identified this property at the William Eston home, which yeah. is a Charleston Housing Authority property, which is on the National Historic Register. So it's protected from a historic standpoint. Yeah. Built in the 1880s. And it's protected because the ownership is stable with the housing authority. Furthermore, um, so this is traditionally a senior housing facility. Mm -hmm. And um, the guy way back in the day who, who donated this property to the city, he wanted it to be a senior home and he said that everybody should have a garden so that they could maintain it hmm. and so they built out this whole property according to his will very specifically the type of architecture you know the type of spacing around the houses but they never built the gardens wow and, and so there was sort of this hole that hadn't been filled yeah. so it was really a perfect perfect it was meant to be yeah it was meant to be and 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 Man. to make it even better mm -hmm. there's three schools right on the block so mm -hmm. the Charleston Catholic School, uh, James Simmons, and then the Math and Science Charter School are right on the block. And, and we've been talking to two of those schools in the past who yeah. didn't have space for a garden. So it all was, it was, it was sort of a perfect um, storm. Very serendipitous. It really that, was. Like when things yeah. just line up, you're like, well, that's obviously yeah. what we got to do. Right. Yeah. So, awesome. they, th so they gave us a lease like two, two weeks later. <laughs> and we were like, uh... <laughs> You know, like uh, it, it takes a lot to get a garden started. So that was yeah. it took three years from when yeah. they first offered us the lease to yeah. when we finally 
um, we're able to build it this summer. It's actually yeah. very yeah. funny. That's exactly yeah. how it happened with the gym. <laughs> we we saw the space and literally like, you want it? And we were like, oh, okay, well, we got to get all our ducks in a row. But yeah. Yeah, 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 you can't wait here. Yeah, yeah. Something's yeah. available <laughs> here. You better take you it because it's take gone. It. Yeah, right. that's crazy. Right. But that's awesome. Yeah, so it took about three years. Um, it is designing beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful, Thank absolutely. You. Yeah, yeah. So we got, you know, we got to know all the neighbors and we got community input. We got uh, our partners at Seaman Whiteside um, just designed the landscaping for us, and uh, we had to raise a bunch of money. We're still raising still money, um, but we were able to to build it, and it's, uh, you know, we'd love. Anybody who's listening here yeah. to come check us out, um, come visit us. Absolutely. Come and volunteer. Come volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a really easy way for people to be involved now. On Thursday afternoons, we yeah. do a market. So we're selling fruits and vegetables cool. on a pay-what-you-can scale. So there's yeah. really no excuse. Uh, come by and, and, and visit. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So talk a, a, a little more about the, what the importance of nutrition, mm. and especially in these communities where there are food deserts. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it's, it, you, it's hard to believe that in in downtown Charleston, which you would think is this bustling thing, there there are food deserts here. Oh, yeah. um, talk to me about the importance of that education and and, and how that can really have a lasting effect yeah. on people. Well, you know, I mean, probably for most people listening to this podcast, is 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 doesn't come as a surprise that you know nutrition you know, and poor nutrition is the foundation for illness later on in life. Mm-hmm. For sure. Right. So yeah. the greatest killers out there, uh, heart disease, cancer, um, diabetes, type two diabetes, like these are all side effects of diet. They, uh, they're all obesity. diet related, yeah. right? Yeah. Diet mm-hmm. is a component and a major component. Yeah. And so while, so access to healthy food, super important, um, for communities who don't have access, mm-hmm. but, the importance of healthy food is universal, mm-hmm. right? So one mm-hmm. thing that we've learned as we grow is the need is not only in areas that lack access to healthy food. The need is universal because even if you have access to healthy food, mm-hmm. you're not going to buy it and eat it unless you have that foundation of education. Yep. So um, we have, you know, we don't constrain ourselves to working in low-income, low-access communities, mm-hmm. um, but we do prioritize yeah. mm-hmm. low-income, low-access communities. So... Um, it farm to school education is uh, sort of as a focus um, activity is relatively new, right? Mm-hmm. We've there's always been connections between agriculture and education, but just in the last twenty years or so, people have actually started to study it mm-hmm. and maybe do it more intentionally. Mm-hmm. So um, the research out there on the effects of farm to school education on nutrition is not really robust, but those who practice it is so clear mm-hmm. that if you grow it you'll eat it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we see it every single day. Every day. So um, we do taste tests, mm-hmm. right? Every time that we have a lesson, uh, the kids try, try a new food, right? And it's a healthy food. Cool. And ideally, we pick it right out from the garden. Right. If there's nothing ready from the garden, we'll go to the store, we'll pick some healthy food, we'll do a taste test. They always eat the taste test. Right, yeah. okay? Whereas if I tell my kids to eat their veggies at the dinner table... <laughs> You know, I might, yeah, I might yeah. have a revolt on my yeah. hands, you know. You have to put a macaroni and cheese. Right. But if they grow it, they'll eat it. Yeah. And furthermore, if they cook it, yeah, they'll eat it. Yeah. And so we incorporate culinary 
lessons. I was going to say as, too, as I love, I was watching yeah. like your Instagram stories and your Instagram. I love yeah. that you're now like doing little dishes because yeah. now yeah. we're in the, uh, like the food and Bev Mecca of the world in <laughs> Charleston. It's like, why not right. connect that as well? That's right. So, and then once you have that foundational experience, I, I grew it, I'll eat it. I cooked it. I'll eat it. Now, if I see it in the store, now I have that memory and that positive um, association with that food item. I'm much more likely to eat it. I'm much more likely to ask my parents to buy it. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was a, when I was in Wisconsin, I was part of a meeting and there was a school district in Wisconsin that partnered a grocery store with the school district. The school district put one particular uh, healthy food item on the menu in the cafeteria every month. Mm-hmm. And then the grocery store tracked the sales of those particular products every month. And sure enough, there was a huge spike. Um, they took snap peas as an example. Right. right. They had snap peas on the on the menu in the school cafeteria for the month of October, and the grocery store sales spiked during the month of October. So the kids are asking their parents to buy these foods in the store if they have a positive experience with them. So the impact is is real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you go back to the question of access mm-hmm. to food, again, it's it's super important, right? And we're not the only ones working on access. There are tons of people working on access and probably doing it better than we are because our focus is on education, mm-hmm. right? So we do try to impact access. We try to get uh, food directly to the students. We, we, we send it home with them. We give food to the cafeteria. We're holding our market now at the instant home. Yeah, That's secondary focus. Primary focus, so I consider that um, supply. For mm-hmm. sure. Right? So we'll supply the food. What we're primarily focused on is increasing demand, mm-hmm. right? Because you can have, again, all the food supply in the world, mm-hmm. but if you don't have a demand for it, you know, it's not mm-hmm. going to have any use. So, yeah. so that's what, at the end of the, at the, the end goal for me when it comes to nutrition in our programs is increasing demand among our... Mm-hmm. The that's people, like running a successful with. business, right? right? Like demand's right. got to be there in order yeah. For, yeah. for the supply to then right. increase. Well, and the lasting effect that you're making too, because those people, as they grow, will pass it along to their kids. And that's something that, that will really, I think, th- this focus on preventative, I call it preventative healthcare. It's mm-hmm. what it is. It's ed- education about fitness, education about nutrition, mm-hmm. I think will make a real lasting effect across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, just think wow. it's so intentional too. It's just like... Like that just it keeps blowing my mind. I'm like, man, that's just seeing the little correlations between like just having it in their food or having them have those positive experiences automatically transfers to later on in life to where they're even impacting their family, their mm-hmm. parents, you know, because even if their parents didn't have that education, they're able mm-hmm. to educate their parents. Which and is it so draws cool. such a parallel to what I see at Rhapsody because I think it opens up that question when you look at one aspect of your life with that intention, with that focus, mm-hmm. you start talking to other people about it. You start noticing in your community, I want to be around these people. I want to start having these bigger conversations. Mm-hmm. The second you're talking about food access, then you're talking about what is health and wellness to me? Yeah. What makes me different than the person that's next to me? You know, and it sort of peels back like we talk a lot about, you know, health is not just this concept of not having a disease. It's like an active pursuit of health in any aspect of your life. So the second that you start questioning your food, moving your body, like doing these things like you're able to do it. But are other people and like how do you sort of find yourself in that equation is something I think we are humbled by and challenged by every day. Mm. Yeah. It's creating that buffer, right? It's creating that buffer against chronic disease and staying ahead of it. Um, so Justin Carter, what do you need? Like what, what, what do you need from (laughs) the government? What do you need from residents? Like what, what could really help this initiative grow? Um, Mm -hmm. 
And what's on the burner, right? What you, what you cooking? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I like puns today for yeah. some reason. <laughs> you know. What's cooking? Uh, um, three major things we always ask from people. All right. Um, one is share the word. So y'all are helping a lot today mm-hmm. um, with spreading the word about what we're doing. You know, the greater awareness we have of what we're doing, the more engagement we're going to have. Um, we're volunteer based, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, we can use more and more and more volunteers, especially as we grow. Mm-hmm. Um, we have right now, we have at least three volunteer events every single week. Wow. Um, so, and, and those are easy to find. You go on our website, um, either click get involved or just right on the homepage. There's, there's the opportunities there. Um, right now during COVID we're, um, hosting relatively small groups, 15 or fewer people at a time. But there's always opportunities. So please come out and uh, yeah. volunteer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are financed by individual donations, right? Wow. So primarily. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we'll write grants. We'll get business sponsorships. Um, you know, there's a number of ways we'll be funded. But the primary, primary way is through individual donations. So people like you and me mm-hmm. chipping in. And so um, that's how we're powered and resourced. Okay. And so, you know, that I'm on a constant quest uh, for those yeah, resources to help push what we do. Because as I was explaining before, you know, there's so much interest there. And, and I, I feel like we have tremendous opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge is building that infrastructure as an organization um, to do that. And in order to do that, we need the resources to, yeah. to grow. So. And, well, and where can people connect? So the website is? Uh, we've got a uh, website, Greenheart sc.org yeah. yeah and then on instagram instagram chs greenheart chs and our instagram has a lot of our like more it's we're always doing events and things so if you go on our website it's our calendar you can like register for events and stuff but instagram i would say is our like very quick for information we have all of mm. our stuff linked there and we're always posting stuff and i will say that your um the way that you volunteer or that the, your system that you go to the website mm-hmm. to check in to volunteer was seamless. Right. It was super Thank easy. You. Like you get on the website, it, you, you click in like the amount of people that you could possibly have. And then you guys get back to them within, we got back to me within like maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn. All right. There. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. On, yeah. A, on it, yeah. on it. Yeah, and since Rhapsody's had those two work days with us, we've had some of our gym members like, Sean works for Boeing. They had a group out there harvesting sweet potatoes for us. Yeah. Jody, Matthew come to the farm stands. We had Rent Sons. Luke brought his group out. Like, that makes me happy. And we have a lot small. of businesses that, that listen to the show. Yeah. So yeah. businesses can definitely get involved as a, oh, yeah. as as a, a corporate yeah. event to get out there and, and really. And hey, listen, the holidays are literally right around the corner. It might be a great opportunity for to, to donate to the Green Heart Project, yeah. which I think is super important mm-hmm. and do a little donation for the family. I think that's a I think that's a good incentive too. Great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Invest in lifelong health. I like exactly. it. Oh, love it. Justin Carter, you're amazing people and For doing sure. amazing work. Um, we're so thrilled to have you here. And I think during the holiday season, it's um it's it's a great reminder to get out there and, and to give back and to stay involved in the community. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. All right. Yeah. yeah. How amazing is that? I feel like I have just learned so much more and I've worked with them and it's, 
I just love the many layers that they've created yeah. um, with everything. It's and all that's gone on this year, I mean, it's it's like our producer Lindsay just said, it's just to have that thing, that bit of hope Restores and that there's, that there's good in the world <laughs> yes. out there, I yeah. think is is really promising and, and sort of to me ends the year on, on, a, on a great note. Keep raising the bar. That's Absolutely. one of our, that's our you know, motto at the gym. And that's, I love that everyone else or there are uh, things in our community that are happening like that with the, with the schools and with the agriculture. It's awesome. It's yeah. Awesome. Hey, everyone have an incredible holiday season, hug the ones you love. And we're going to be back here at the top of 2021. Yeah. New year. Yes. New you. My my vision is better than ever. Not it's no longer 2020. It's now 2021. Have a happy holidays. We'll see you soon. Bye guys.